Do you like what you're hearing? Help us celebrate our one-year anniversary. You have until November 13, 2018 to leave us a written review along with a star rating. Then shoot an email to contact at sparkjoypodcast.com with your username for a chance to win a copy of SparkJoy signed by Marie Kondo. You can visit sparkjoypodcast.com forward slash iTunes for more details. And now, on to the show. Welcome to Spark Joy, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the KonMari method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest. With your hosts and certified KonMari consultants, Kristen Ivey and Karen Sochi. And now, here's the show. Today's guest is Gemma Quinn. She's Australia's first certified KonMari consultant, but she practices all over the world. She's also a KonMari consultant evaluator, and she works with future consultants during the certification process. Her KonMari approach is informed by over 15 years of experience in business operations and human resource management, all within the design and creative industries. We are so delighted to welcome our colleague to the show today. Welcome to Spark Joy, Gemma. Welcome to Spark Joy. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. As Karen mentioned, you've originally come from the corporate and business lifestyle. Tell us a little bit about your journey becoming a professional organizer and how did you know that this was what you wanted to do and transition to? Yeah, so this is probably a bit of the story of my life. I've always thought about how items are stored, how they were accessed, how they were used, which items were nicer than others, for instance. So it's really something that's come naturally to me. So there was never a point in my life where I started thinking about how to organize things. And one of my favorite places in the world was my granddad's shed. My granddad was using the Komari method to store his items before the Komari method existed. So I would have all of these magical moments going through screws and nails and sandpaper and timber and all how it was stored. Organizing and how things are stored and what was nice has always been part of my life. But in terms of formally becoming a professional organizer, it wasn't until a couple of years ago where after working in you know the business world for 15 years that I started to think about wanting a bit more and people had always been asking me to help organize their homes and their rooms and it was something that I absolutely loved. I loved connecting with my friends and being able to help them have a more organized and operational home. So that's when I started my journey to become a professional organizer. Quite different to my business life, working that many years um, in London, Melbourne and in Brisbane in design and advertising. I was an operations director for quite a few years, but organizing people's homes is not too different to running a business, but yeah, just a little bit less intense. So tell us a little bit about how you came to become a KonMai organizer. What was it about the KonMai method that spoke to you um, once you decided that professional organizing was kind of a passion for you? The KonMari method challenged my thoughts because I was always the organized person. Everything had its place in my home. So there was no reason why I thought that a method would necessarily add to my life. So I think that probably one of the surprises was how much it changed my life. 
the books, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, there's tidying up in the title, but there's also life-changing magic. It was the act of the joy checked and thinking about my ideal life that really challenged me and allowed me to connect and engage with my items and belongings far more than I ever had. And it allowed me to kind of have this increased sense of happiness. So although I was always really organized, I just had this greater sense of connection and it touched my soul. I was really taken back by that. Once I discovered it, you can't let it go. It just brings so many different amazing things into your life. There's the physical aspects of tidying up in the KonMari method, but it relates to every aspect of your life. I can't kind of emphasize that enough. And I would think that being from Australia, making the commitment to come to the States to go through one of the seminars was kind of a a big commitment for you. What was that process like? How did you learn about the idea of becoming a consultant? And how did you decide that that was something you were going to take the risk and do? It was actually my aunt who, first of all, showed me the book, and she was also the one that encouraged me to do it. And I guess there is a risk associated with spending the money and going to the seminar, going to the States from Australia. However, there was a risk of not being happy and not continuing the way that life was. And so I felt like the risk was minimal because being able to help someone live a life full of joy is a risk worth taking. I think that's really well said. It's almost as though the risk of not doing it is worse than the risk of doing it once you realize that really that's the path for you, that that's really what's going to spark joy. Yeah, the risk is huge. The risk of not being happy is massive. That's one of the biggest risks in life. I think that's so interesting you brought that up because I was literally thinking about that today because I was reflecting back on a talk that I gave about Kanmari yesterday. And there was someone who asked me, you know, what do you do if you don't have motivation to tidy? And I was talking about how the actual act of trying and conquering of the fear basically is what propels you into moving forward because you can't like wait around for the motivation because it Mm -hmm. might never come most likely. Uh, Really, it's the action that breeds the motivation and, and the action that cures the fear. And I was thinking about why is that resonating with me today in a different way? And I thought about how risky it is for us to, you know, leave our secure, quote unquote, careers and corporate life or business and things like that, where we're not small business owners or entrepreneurs and then switch over to that lifestyle. And I thought about how much risk it can be attributed to that. But then I thought about what's the worst case, you know, if all things fail, oh, well, I'll go back to that other life or, you know, figure out something else to work on. But I can look back and reflect on those seasons and moments of my life and say, well, at least I tried. I heard a Tim Ferriss, I think it was Tim Ferriss quote the other day. It was the obstacles are the way or something along those lines. And basically, if you can deal with your obstacles, deal with your biggest obstacle, and then you can move forward. And that sets you free. And getting started is always the hardest part. And as you were both talking, I was thinking about how this applies to our clients as well, because we are always welcome to keep doing what we're doing, to decide that you are not satisfied with the way your home looks or the way you relate to your possessions is really taking a risk to do something different. So, you know, again, I think having taken the risk to make a big change in our own lives to become consultants, it helps us to be empathetic to our clients who are also taking what for them can be an enormous risk in making changes that will impact the rest of their lives. When you're joy checking an item, a lot of the time people are thinking about risk. So for instance, if you have 10 towels 
and you joy check them and they say, but, you know, I want to keep these just in case. And I'm like, okay, well, what's the risk of if you do let it go, you weigh up the joy risk uh, almost. So the joy of only having a few really beautiful, lovely towers that they really enjoy having or the risk that something may happen to those and that you will then need additional towels to use. And so for me, if somebody has the money to go and buy the additional towels or they can donate them, managing the risk, knowing what it actually is, but then you can actually let those towels go and create joy. So I know it's a slightly kind of obscure thought, but you're taking that risk and turning it into joy. Absolutely agree. Gemma, you also are a KonMari evaluator. Can you tell us just a little bit about what that process is like and what you do in that capacity? Absolutely. So I'm KonMari evaluator, and it brings me a huge amount of joy to be able to help KonMari consultants in training through their journey to become certified KonMari consultants is really rewarding. You can see consultants progress from after attending the seminar, they then go through the tiding marathon with one of their clients, they write reports. And so we basically ensure that the quality of certified consultants, we ensure that they know and have a full understanding of the Komari method. They know how to apply it in a consulting situation and that they can work with the client to get the full benefit of the Komari method. Well, I'd love to personally thank you for your support as you uplift the upcoming classes of Kunmari consultants, because that's really powerful work, making sure that our standards across the board remain high, just like that joy bar we always talk about. And I imagine being exposed to so many different consultants all around the world helps your own practice. Um, We'd love to talk more about that because we know that you are basically a traveling Kanmari consultant and you've seen so many different clutter situations, really nations of clutter, if you will. (laughs) Let's start by letting the listeners know where you have Kanmari'd across the world. Okay. Yes, I have Kanmari'd around the world. I do specialize in um, intensive immersions. I've worked with people up to three weeks at a time. I have worked in the US, in LA, and I've done intercontinental move from LA to Munich in Germany. I've worked in York in the UK, in New Caledonia, which is in the Pacific, cities in Australia, so Brisbane, which is my base. I absolutely love the world. I want to live in the world. I want to be a citizen of the world. And it's a nice combination of being able to evaluate trainees from all around the world and understanding the differences in culture and also the differences in how homes operate, the size, what it might mean to live in a home in Finland versus a home in Bundaberg, which is subtropical. So they're quite different. Regardless of where you are in the world, you still face the same kind of struggles when you're thinking about your ideal life and if an item sparks joy for you and how to organize it. You also lived in Japan as well. So if you could break down some of those specific differences of either the lifestyles, the living environments, or the way Kanbari is executed. I was in a homestay in Japan as well when I was younger in studying Japanese in high school. The Komari method, I believe, fundamentally does not change where you are around the world. 
The great thing is that it's an agnostic structure. You have to define what your ideal future life is, and which may change across the journey through your tithing marathon, and which is fine. But that gives you the basis to make those decisions that will change depending on where you live. Knowing what really brings you joy, that will change by culture by culture. But I guess some of the differences in terms of working in specific countries, in the US, you use all-purpose flour, whereas in Australia and in the UK, we have plain flour and self-raising flour. There's different words for things. In Australia, we call them dunas. In the UK, they call them duvets. And in the US, you call them a comforter, maybe? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so they're all different sizes all across the world. For me, it's fascinating and I absolutely love because you learn so much about what really makes them happy. So because I kind of transition into different cultures, it's like you're going in without a preconception of what it should be because you're going in without an understanding of what is done normally, what is socially acceptable or how it should be. Joy is probably the one constant. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything else that's kind of more universal? I mean, the big lesson for me is this method really is universal. It's so fascinating that you can see all of these different expressions of joy as you travel here, there and everywhere. And I imagine that really had a big impact on your life or your understanding of Kamari and your practice of Kamari. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it does. And I think the first one is never assume, never, ever assume and to ask the right question. For me, in my ideal life, there are foreign cultures, there are foreign languages. You know, I go to the States and I'm like, okay, so what's the difference in between baking powder and baking soda? I still haven't worked all of that out. With well, I haven't either. So. <laughs> <laughs> my answer is difference. work it out and label it and put it in a jar, even if they're the same thing in your cupboard. Right. Have bicarb, baking soda, baking powder. Just know it and then that way you can grab it for the recipe. Engaging with other people and other cultures personally brings me a whole huge amount of joy because in life, those experiences that I feel I look back on and they bring me the most joy. Things generally don't bring me as much joy as being able to sit down with somebody and to share a moment and to laugh and to understand and engage with them. Mm -hmm. Are there any sticking points that you see? For example, do you find that other cultures have issues with just-in-case items? Do you find that different cultures have different concerns about discarding things, for example? Some cultures have more difficulty expressing their feelings. With that, I always try to encourage clients to find ways which will still allow them to be honest and truthful and bring them joy. So for instance, if you know that something brings you joy, but it's going to actually cause a bit of tension with somebody else and that engagement doesn't bring you joy, then that's not necessarily the best outcome. As long as they're being honest and truthful with themselves, then they might find other ways to make that engagement. Thank you, Gemma. This is great insight on how Kanmari translates across cultures. And I'm really curious while we have you as a Kanmari consultant, what your favorite tidying tip is? I'm going to give two because one's not necessarily a tidying tip. And that is joy check properly, like interrogate yourself. Like a lot of people will just pick things up and they go, this sparks joy, this doesn't. Grow your sensitivity to knowing what sparks joy for you it will change your life. That is the most powerful thing. 
My other favorite tidying tip is boxes. <laughs> They're just amazing. I love them. Play Tetris, like get smaller and smaller. Try and get to the point where you've got every single item in your house in a box. It just works. <laughs> Yes, great. You and Marie Kondo love boxes. And I love how you described it as Tetris, because I think that emphasizes the fact that storage is very fluid and flexible. And we just have to keep playing around with it throughout the process until it clicks in place. So we love that suggestion. Yeah, it really is a game. Well, those are great hiding tips. And Gemma, we ask all of our guests at this very moment, what sparks the most joy in your life? Oh, people, like the engagement with people and everything. Awesome. And do you have any parting words of wisdom for our SparkJoy listeners? Just start start with a small category and just keep going. Reach out to the KonMari consult community. Everybody there will give you a whole heap of encouragement and keep you going. Write your list of all of your categories, subcategories, and just keep going through in order. And good luck. We're all barracking for you. Thanks so much, Gemma. We loved having you here on Spark Joy. Thank you for having me. It was so lovely to be able to talk and share the method with you. You can find Gemma at gemmaquinn.com.au or on Instagram or Facebook at gemmaquinn.conmariconsultant. So now we want to hear from you. Tell us your burning, tidying questions or share stories about how Kanmari has impacted your life. You can find us at sparkjoypodcast.com and click Ask Spark Joy to leave a question or comment for a chance to be featured on next week's show. While you're there, sign up to join our Spark Joy podcast community and get notified when each episode airs. You can also join the Spark Joy podcast community on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the handle at Spark Joy Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope your day sparks joy. Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your host Kristen Ivey of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago and Karen Sochi of The Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy, the podcast, is not endorsed by or affiliated with Conmari Media Incorporated. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co hosts and guests alone and do not represent the corporate position of Conmari Media Incorporated or the Conmari Consultant Community.